Hi, and welcome to the Overflow Podcast. I'm Chuck Ammons, teaching pastor at Overflow Church in Brandon, Florida, and we are here to help you receive the Father's love and to release it to everyone you encounter everywhere. Wherever you're listening from today, your God adores you. I pray this message elevates and ignites your faith. On this podcast, you will find biblical messages to activate your faith, as well as our You Asked For It series, where we address your questions about trusting God's goodness as Father and living out His fullness as beloved sons and daughters. To find out more about Overflow Church, visit us at myoverflowchurch.com or on Facebook at Overflow Church Brandon. We'd also love to encourage you to check out our book, Life in the Overflow, and its accompanying devotional at Amazon.com. Well, I uh, had a message prepared uh, this morning. <laughs> Uh, you may be seated. God bless you. Hmm. Not too often that uh, I'm without words. <laughs> Never could have imagined on January 14th, 1979, when I walked down an aisle in a Southern Baptist church and said yes to Jesus that I'd be standing here hearing those stories. And knowing who I was and that person who walked that aisle to Jesus, that it can only be Jesus. So thank you. Thank you to my family, my spiritual family to the joy of all the spiritual sons you know you know if there wasn't a heaven i would have still chosen this life this is the life there's no greater life than the life of a christian so as my sons have heard me say over and over and over again jesus is real <laughs> jesus is real this isn't just a nice fairy tale or fable or story. And those who follow him and believe that he is good, favor will fall upon you. You'll see his favor. So my message this morning was about what great dads do, what great fathers do. And as I was just thinking about all the things I've had an opportunity to do, all the jobs that I've had, fatherhood has been the greatest job I have ever had. Except for some of my friends, Ephraim, Uncle Rob, Tom, you, you've been telling me, um, but there, there's another job that's coming that's even going to be greater. So here's a picture of, of me holding my first grandchild. That's Rylan. That's Aaron's son. He's right here. And I am looking at him with the intensity of, okay, here we go. 
Here we go. Already blessing him, asking God's favor to be upon him, covering him, covering the call of God on his life, covering his health, releasing favor and blessing. As the first grandson, first grandchild, the first harper. And then three weeks later, bam. <laughs> I don't know what to do with her. Having four sons. Everly, I'm already feeling wrapped around your finger. And you see my, my shirt, Opa. So it says, uh, Opa knows everything. What Opa doesn't know, he makes up. I didn't know my sons knew that about me <laughs> until they gave me the shirt. And here are my sons holding their two children. So this is at the hospital. Um, Everly's just a, a day old, I guess, there. And the nurse comes in and says, Are you twins? <laughs> They're actually four years difference. So Matthew was born November 14, 1991. Aaron was born on January 22, 1997. And then those are my two grandchildren together. So I've got a new job. <laughs> and I'm excited about my new job. So I want to share with you a verse that the Lord has given me as my most recent life verses. I hope that you have life verses. It's 1 Corinthians 4, 15. So I want to encourage you to open up your phone. <laughs> no one carries Bibles anymore. It's also going to be here on, on the screen. First Corinthians 4.15. Even if you had 10,000 teachers, 10,000 instructors... Some translations say, or guardians, or tutors, or coaches, or counselors. You do not have, you have not had many fathers, but I have become your father through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. Now, first of all, let me just say this. Paul is making a comparison between teachers and fathers. We need teachers. We need counselors. We need coaches. We need tutors. But what we need even more are fathers. We need fathers. As I was thinking about the difference between the teachers, the professors, the tutors that I've had in my life, and what it would be to have a father, my father, he died when I was seven, and I've thought and I've imagined so much what, what it would have been like if he, had, if he had lived, because he was diagnosed with a brain tumor when he was 18 years old, and he was told then he may have two or three years to live, and so he lived for 13 years after that, he lived until he was 31. He had three experimental uh, brain operations to remove the tumor out of his head. And, and during that time, uh, he had four children just before I was born. 
One of them uh, died at stillbirth at nine months, and one of them at six months, but I have two older sisters who both have now passed. So I, I said to my mom, I said, Mom, you know, you're, you're, you're poor. You know, she had 10th grade education. We were really poor. I said, Mom, what, what were you thinking having all of these children? What were you thinking? We were, we were already poor, Mom. How were you going to support us? And she said, your father knew he was going to die. And before he died, he wanted a son. He wanted a son to carry on his legacy, to carry on the life that he wasn't able to live. And I wasn't going to deny him of that. And so I thought so often, what would it have been like to have been raised by a dad who was willing to go through three? And this was in the 50s and 60s when, when they didn't have surgeries like that. It was an NIH hospital. It was experimental. He had six to nine months each time in the hospital to recover. That kind of dad. What would it have been like to have had that kind of dad who was willing to sacrifice so that I could even be alive? So I remember as I was growing up, I really, not being brought up in a Christian home, I really just had one goal, and that was I didn't want to be poor. <laughs> and I didn't want my kids to be poor. So I majored in economics and decided I was going to be successful, I was going to be an entrepreneur, I was going to be a businessman, I was, going to, I was just going to not be poor. And then the Lord said, no, I have something more for you. So I quit my job banking and no longer decided to pursue an MBA and went into seminary. And then I decided I want to be a great pastor. But that all changed on April 6, 1991. When I held that little guy, Luke Elliott Harper, I think he was seven pounds, 10 ounces. I held him in my arms that first time. Jonathan, you know what I'm talking about. From that moment on, I wanted to be a great dad. I wanted to be the dad that I, that I wish I had for my, for my own life. So when Paul is, is making this comparison between teachers and fathers. He's not saying we don't need teachers. We, we need teachers. We need counselors. We need tutors. We need people to invest in us. But there's something different about a father. He said, imitate me. I have become a father. In this case, he was speaking about being a spiritual father. And he said, imitate me. The only way to imitate someone is to be near them, to be close to them. So what he's saying is, is as a father, I'm going to lead you by my example. See, a teacher or a counselor, they, they will point the way and, and at some level they will show the way. But a father will go the way and will lead the way. As I was thinking about my 
journey as a father, my four sons, I think one of the, the biggest times in our kids' lives is when they ride a bike. And so I taught all four of my sons how to ride a bike, and I began with the training wheels, the training wheels, and and uh, began to get them the confidence that they could do it. Until one day I said, the training wheels are off. Each of my four sons, they were scared. They didn't want the training wheels to come off. They wanted the security of those training wheels. They were afraid of falling. And rather than saying to them, you're not going to fall, it's okay, you're not going to fall, I told them, you are going to fall. And it's going to hurt. But you're going to get up, and you're going to do it again, and when you ride, it's going to be worth it. I think about that. As, that's basically what I've been doing as a father, as a spiritual father, taking training wheels off and saying, yes, you're, you're going to fall, and it's going to hurt, but it's okay. It's worth it. But it's one thing to say that. That, that may be what a teacher will say, maybe a counselor. So I, as I thought back to teaching every one of my children, and I can think of where they were when I taught them, I, I got them on the bike, and they're, they're, they're afraid. And I, I put my left hand on the seat and my right hand on the handlebar, and I said, you can do this. You can do this. Keep looking ahead. Don't look at me. Keep looking ahead and don't stop pedaling. That's why I told them. Don't look at me. Keep looking ahead and don't stop pedaling. Look at where you are going. And I'm going to be right beside you. And so I would start running with them. And I'm holding the seat. And I'm holding the handlebar. And I'm running beside them. Pedal. Pedal, Luke. Pedal, Matthew. Pedal, Aaron. Pedal, Joshua. Pedal. Pedal. Don't stop pedaling. Keep looking ahead. I'm going to let you go, but you can do this. And I'm going to run right here beside you. And I would. I'd let them go. And I'd run right there beside them until I couldn't keep up with them anymore. See, that's what we're to do as fathers. We're to say, you know what? You're going to fall. And it's going to hurt. But the ride is worth it. Get back up on that bike. Keep looking ahead and keep pedaling because the journey is wonderful. So I've watched my four sons fall. I've watched my spiritual sons fall, spiritual daughters now. But a father's right there to say, okay, let's get back up again. It hurt, but it's worth it. The journey is worth it. Now get back up on that bike and start pedaling again and keep looking ahead. Don't look to me. Don't look behind you. 
Keep looking ahead because God has something great for you. So the difference between a father and a teacher is that a father is close. A father leads by example. A father gives you the words that you need to believe in yourself. I think that the greatest gift I've given to spiritual fathers and spiritual sons is my faith. I just lent them my faith. I lent my four sons my faith until they could believe on their own, until they could just ride that bike everywhere on their own. They didn't need me anymore. But initially, they needed my faith because what what I've observed as a pastor for 35 years is that it's fear that keeps people from realizing their dreams. It's fear that keeps people from running after what God has for them. And what they need is they need someone who has faith in a big God and a faith in them to say, you know what, go after it. You're going to fall down. It's okay. But keep running, keep riding, keep pedaling. The second thing that I see that's different between teachers and counselors, coaches, instructors, tutors, is that they expect to be compensated. They expect payment. And you know what? They deserve it. Teachers and counselors, professors, they've worked hard. They've gotten degrees. They've gotten the training that they need. They've worked hard. They should be compensated, and I believe they should be compensated well. Personally, I think that teachers, professors, anyone who's investing in the young people of our lives should receive top salaries, not bottom salaries. That's just a conviction I have. So I'm all for teachers. I'm all for counselors. We need them. But there's a difference between a teacher and a counselor and a father. A father expects no compensation. He doesn't expect to be paid. There's no, he's not waiting for a check. He's not waiting for a payment. But instead, he is willing to sacrifice all, everything he has for the success of his children. Everything. I've said to my four sons over and over again, all that is mine is yours. I've said to, to Chris Thomas, I said, Chris, My car is yours. My house is yours. As long as I'm alive, you're not going to have to worry about being at home. There were some times where where Chris was between homes and he wasn't sure where he was going to live. He didn't have vehicles. See, there's a difference when you're a father. A father is willing to sacrifice, willing to do, and willing to pay whatever is needed. And so in 2019... As Pastor Chuck and I began this transition, and as I've said many times, you know, living is easy, right? You know, receiving from God, and and it's the dying that's hard. It's the letting go that's hard. Letting go of being the lead pastor, being the main visionary, was the hardest thing I've ever done. And I felt a few times, I, I... I got in Pastor Chuck's way and got in Pastor Chris's way. Dying is hard. 
But there'd be no way for me to be able to do what I'm doing now if I was still holding on to what God had given me. We have to, we have to live our lives with our hands open because we're just stewards. It's not ours. My, the money I have is not mine. My home, nothing is mine. We have to live with our, with our hands wide open. As soon as you begin to hold on to things that you think are yours, it's going to be a painful experience when it's ripped out of your hands. So in 2019, I began Pastor Connection. A safe place for lead pastors to be encouraged, supported, and prayed for. And those three things, actually four things, the four words, safe, encouraged, supported, and prayed for, were exactly what I needed when I came here 25 years ago. And I came in a very difficult situation with this church, with what this church had gone through. And I so desperately needed a spiritual father, someone who would say, you can do it. You can do it. And I went to some of the fathers in the city and I said, I, I need a father. I, I need someone to help me through this. I, I, don't, I don't, this is my first journey as a lead pastor. I had worked on staff and had supported other pastors. And they were too busy. They were too busy leading their own churches. And, and it was hard. So in 2019, when the Lord said, okay, I want you to, to be the spiritual father that you wanted. In 1997, when you came here. So I thought, well, what did I what? Did I what? What, what did I need? First of all, I needed a safe place just to be Len. Just, just to be me, not Pastor Len, but just to be Len. And I needed to be encouraged. To be encouraged is to be given courage to do what God's called you to do. I, I needed to be supported. I, I needed to be given the tools that was going to help me to be successful as a pastor. And I needed someone who knew how to bring heaven to earth. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in Len Harper's life in Jesus' name. To pull down from heaven all that he needed, favor, anointing, blessing, clarity in the call of God in his life, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I needed someone who could pull heaven down on my behalf and release it. A safe place to be encouraged, supported, and prayed for. And my original thoughts were I had four sons, so I was thinking, well, probably four. I'm thinking four would be about I could I could do four four spiritual sons and with with what I wanted to do and the sacrifice I wanted to give them. But the Lord had He had something different. And so it's expanded and it's going outside of this region to some other states.
what these men and daughters, spiritual daughters, what, what they're really needing most is for a father who will give their all and who has no agenda, who isn't expecting anything return. See, that's what I believe makes me safe in the city with the other pastors is, is I'm not wanting anything from them. I don't want any money. I don't want to preach at their churches. I don't want anything. And, and they can feel that. They, they, they sense I don't want anything but to help them to get on their spiritual bike and to pedal and to keep looking ahead. And, you know, when you fall, I, I may be a little behind you because I, I couldn't keep up with my sons. You know, after a while, their bike, you know, you know all who have been there. But when they would fall down, and they did, right, I was running there right beside them, helped them back up on that bike again, and said, now go run again. And as I would meet with them, and as I'd pray with them, I'd say, well, how can I pray for you? Often the need was financial. I remember early on, one of the sons said, wow, our family's really struggling right now. I need, I need financial blessing. And I prayed, I released financial blessing. But then I sensed the Holy Spirit said, you, you bless them too, financially. Then recently, one of our spiritual sons is, is launching a new place and, and they need money for down payment and called Robin up. And I said, Robin, I feel like we're supposed to sow into this and, and, and to give. And it's really interesting, uh, Aaron, your message on missions and being missional and being intentional. And then, Chuck, you had a follow-up message. And so Rob and I talked about what is something that, that we have a, a burning and a passion for. And we, we want to help families get in homes, to, to get in a home. And so one of my spiritual sons said, you know, I'm really sensing that God wants us to be in a home, to finally be settled. And so I talked to Robin about it, and, and we prayed, and, and we heard $10,000. And we feel like God wants us to even give more. But to begin with $10,000, I don't say that other than to say, when, when you're a father, you want to help your sons and daughters to achieve what God's put on their heart. And what's been Interesting is that and in each of these instances where Rob and I have given to these spiritual sons, they just asked us to pray, but Jesus asked us to give. Because that's what Jesus asked of fathers, is to give and to give and to give and to give and to sacrifice and to give. For God the Father so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever should believe in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. The Father gave the ultimate gift, the ultimate sacrifice. And so, that makes me so easy to believe in a good, good father. Because if he's willing to give the greatest gift, the most sacrificial gift, 
then it's so easy to believe him for everything else. Did that make sense to you? So it, it's, just, it's just in my heart to believe in a good, good father. So when I pray and release favor or blessing, or when I pull heaven down, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in Ephraim's life, in Laura's life, and the, it's, I just believe it. I have a very simple faith in a good father who would give his son, therefore, would he not also give every other blessing, as one of the verses says in the Bible? If he's going to give the ultimate sacrifice, why would he withhold anything else? So I'm not a, I'm not a complicated person. I'm a very simple person. I just have a very simple faith in a very good father. That Every good and perfect gift comes from him. He's just waiting to release that gift. He's just waiting for somebody to pull it down from heaven to earth. That's all he's waiting for. And that's what a good, good father will do. So I want you to stand with me. Ephraim, I want you to stand here. And, and Uncle Rob, Uncle Rob was one of those who was telling me, yeah, I, I see you love being a dad, but you're going to love being a grandfather. And some of our, our pastors, uh, elder men, I spent so many of my years wanting a father's blessing. Just wanting to hear a father say to me, I am proud of you. I love you. I just didn't hear that. As a kid in my 20s, as a pastor, when I, when I quit my banking job and I just, I had just been promoted to the executive level, I was working right with the CEO, the president, the, the chief, I was right there. And when I quit that job to go in the ministry, my, my, my stepfather, I love my stepfather, he, he saved me from a really rough life. But he got mad at me. He got angry with me and said, you're throwing your life away. You're throwing your career, what, to be a minister? Man, it was a hard decision. I I'd, I'd applied to seminary, and, and I had my own struggles, and I didn't go the first time. If it, if it wasn't for Robin saying, Lynn, let's do this, I would not be standing here today. If it wasn't her faith in God and in what she saw in me, I, I wouldn't be here. I needed a father at that moment to say, well done. And what really made it easy from that moment on is that from that moment on, I haven't been for sale. Do you all know what I mean by that? I'm not for sale. You can't buy me. i never known what anyone has ever given at any of the churches I've pastored, whether they didn't give anything or whether they gave a lot. It didn't influence how I ministered to you or how I loved you. I am not for sale. So that was a that was a that was a time of dying to 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 leave everything. We just bought a home, leave everything. That was a time of dying. But it, by the way, dying doesn't stop. We had to keep dying, take up our cross. But I so desperately wanted a father, and then I wanted a spiritual father. Just just someone to 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 call me and to bless me, to say, Len, I, I know you're struggling. It's hard 
be in the ministry and, and times where I might struggle in our marriage, being a father, just not having that direction. So these are some, some men who want to release. Those of you who are, are, are dads, I, I love, Aaron, what you had to say. You know, foster fathers, biological fathers, adopted fathers, biological fathers, spiritual fathers, whatever it is. I, I want to encourage you to, to come to, to one of these men and to make a decision, just as I did on April 6, 1991, when I held Luke Elliott Harper in my arms, I made a decision. I'm going to be a great father. And when I graduated from seminary, I made a wrong agreement. I said, I'm never going to read another book again. I was so tired of reading books. And, and I'd rather read a magazine. Just give me three pages of what that book says. Give me the cliff notes. Okay? Uh, but I read James Dobson's book. It was, I'm not kidding. It was an encyclopedia on how to raise boys to men. I read a book on, on how to raise knights. So I just want to take a couple moments, if I could, just to brag on my sons. Is that okay if I could do that? All four of my sons, my goal was that they would not be Christian by name, but they would know the Christ that I know. They would be Christ followers, and they would live Christ-like. And they would not know about the Bible, but they would know the Bible. I had them read it every year. They had to read the Bible. And I think some of those times they did speed reading. But every year they had to read the Bible as a kid. They memorized 40 verses a year, passages, 10, 11 passages. Thy word I've hid in my heart so that I will not sin against you, so that I won't miss your purposes in my life. Psalm 119.11. I treasure the word of God. There's truth in it. There's life in it. And I wanted my sons to. Also, I wanted my sons to have a family. I wanted them to be husbands and to marry godly wives. And I wanted them to be financially independent. So I emphasize to them education. I said to them, if they ever brought a C home for that next quarter, they could not leave the house. That I couldn't demand an A from them, but most of them got A's anyway. But if you ever brought a C, that, that said to me, you didn't care. So elevated education taught them financial independence. The Bible says, tramp a child in the way that he should go so that when he is old, he will not depart from it. Well, to know how he should go, you have to be near him. You have to know their gifts, their personality, and you have to let them fail, let them try different things. So Robin and I, we studied our children. Luke, if you know Luke, he's got a shepherd's heart. He's good with people. People trust him. So, so when it was 18, an 18-year-old's getting ready to go off to college, they don't have a clue, right? But you do. You've studied them. So we directed Luke to marketing. And Matthew 
From as early as we can remember, he was fascinated by a computer, so we, we hired a tutor in middle school. He had his own computer business in high school. He was fixing and building computers. He graduated with a degree in computer engineering. Aaron's always had a tender heart for people. At first he was going to go into psychiatry or psychology and his mom said, Aaron, I see something different in you. I think you should really consider being a nurse. And wow, what a wonderful nurse. The stories he tells. Joshua, who's on the video, he's in Georgia right now. He started, uh, uh, you break it, I fix it, when he was in high school, before the stores came out. Anything to do with iPads or cell phones. So I encouraged him to go into mechanical engineering. All four of my sons purchased their own homes before in their mid-twenties. They've married beautiful Christian women. They're running after God. It was intentional. Train up a child in the way that they should go. But you do that through relationship. Fathers is to be close and to receive a father's blessing. So I, I want to encourage you, find, if you, don't, if you ha haven't had a father, find one. Come under their covering. Because I, I can only bless what's submitted to me, what comes under my covering. I can't just go around blessing everyone. I can only bless what's submitted to me, what comes under my covering, and then I can release heaven over that person. Find a father and a mother. By the way, everything that I've said in this message, and I had a full message, I don't know how to preach, would, would, would apply to spiritual mothers. Everything, everything that I've said. Nothing that has happened that I have shared has not happened with Robin, nothing. And I've said to her many times, Robin, our children are who they are because of you, not because of me. So for you men, first of all, you want to be a great father to your children maybe to your grandchildren, it's not too late. Some of you men, you're young men, you, you want to be a great spiritual father. Receive a father's blessing. But on Mother's Day, Aaron Aruda preached, wow, what a powerful message on, on the release of spiritual mothers. And just as I did not receive the blessing of a spiritual father or a father, I didn't receive the blessing of a mother a spiritual mother, and I heard the Holy Spirit say, come under Jerry McCann's blessing. I'm gonna release a spiritual mother's blessing into your life. And when I went to Kentucky to take care of my mother, it was everything was so different. God had changed my heart. So maybe some of you daughters, some of you sons, you've not received the blessing of a father just as a child, as a son or as a daughter. So there, there are two invitations here. One is to receive the anointing and the blessing to be a father. One is just to receive the blessing of a father. So whatever the Lord puts on your heart, these men are going to be here at the front to release it. In Jesus' name. So you come. Come to these. Receive the blessing of a spiritual father.
we're going to give just another moment here in the midst of ministry. And as you've heard Pastor Len share this, if there's a blessing that the Father wants you to receive, we're going to be here even after the service where you can come. We would love to just pray over you to release into you. And Father, right now, just what I'm asking. It's a word I heard clearly in a moment this morning, and I'm just, I'm, I'm asking, Lord, that every scheme, that every assignment, you've made a promise that you would restore what the locusts have eaten. I'm asking right now in every life that every assignment that has come to rob the blessing of a father, receiving it and releasing it. We are calling right now from heaven, Father, come and do what you promised. Restore what the locusts have eaten. Every plant and every shoot that should have grown up strong and full and has not reached its full potential, Father, you come in and restore what the locusts have eaten. Every growth in our life that has been stunted or interrupted or misaligned, Father, you come and restore what the locusts have eaten. We speak in the midst of our city right now in our region and we say, Fathers, arise. Fathers, be restored. Fathers, lift your heads. Fathers, breathe in deeply. We will not by the lie of our culture that dads are disinterested and uninvolved. The dads don't know what's going on. The kind of the bumbling idiot that walks around that often that likes to be portrayed. We say, no, dad, you're strong. Dad, you're honored. Dad, you're celebrated. Dad, you're needed. And you're not just needed in the foundational years of your child's life. You're needed every moment. We speak and release the honor. We say that the Bay of the Holy Spirit, that Tampa Bay will be a region that honors fathers. And it will be a place that fatherhood arises. So I'll just ask right now, if you just lay your hand on your heart. Father, I'm asking. I'm asking that every need that we can't even form the language for, every place that we need you to come and father and every place we need fathers in our life to step up and every place that we need to stand as a mother or as a father, I'm asking right now that you release what is needed. And all I ask you to do with your hand on your heart, you don't need to understand it. You just need to receive and say, yes, Lord. Anything that you want to pour in and any person that you want to bring in my life in any way you want to restore, Father, I say Yes. Father, would you just pour in? I thank you, Lord, for the legacy that my spiritual father, that my pastor has walked in these years. And I ask for all of us, Lord, right now that you would make us aware today as we go of the fathers that are in our lives and that we would not be silent, that we would not assume, that we would not think, oh, they already know. So even right now, just this last thing before we go this morning. Who are the dads in your life? Who are the men in your life that have stepped in a season and exemplified what Pastor Lynn talked about this morning? Can I just beg you? 
Can I beg you? Reach out to them today. The kingdom of heaven is not suffering because we're celebrating too much. It's not the issue. It's not that we're telling people too much what we've seen in them. Often it's that we're just assuming, oh, they know, they know, they know. Listen, they don't. Would you be bold and reach out to the dads in your life today? Would you thank the Lord for them? Oh, Father, thank you. This has been a beautiful morning. We celebrate. We bless our dads. And, Father, we do ask for Pastor Lynn and for all of our pastoral staff as they've been so faithful. Lord, may the best still be to come. If you agree with that, say amen.